Hello, Warriors. How are you guys doing this evening? Tonight is a very special night, actually. Tonight is Good Friday, um, the Friday before Easter, a.k.a. Resurrection Day. Um, and we all know that this is the day that um, they um, uh, killed Jesus up on that cross. And then two days later, or three days later, he rose from the dead. So uh, it's a very um, special uh, holiday for myself. Um, because I am, uh, I am a believer, and uh, uh, so is my guest that's with me tonight. Uh, and, and we are also fans of this great movie that is happening. Now, me, I'm not as big of a fan of it as my guest is, and my guest tonight is Nathan Dilla, the one and only Nathan Dilla. Hello, Warriors. And. Yes, I, I hope they are good, Nathan, and I hope they are ready to hear our very, very in-depth discussion about this movie. Yes. Now, I, I um, I, as I was, as I was saying, I, I, I'm not as big of a fan of Seed of Chucky, which is what we're discussing tonight. Uh, I'm not a um, big fan of Seed of Chucky. I do like it. I'm just not a big fan of it. Uh, I um, uh, uh, I was used to, and I still am, used to Chucky being a psychotic killer. Of course, you know, we, we all know that Chucky is a psychotic killer. He is a maniac. He is hardcore. A hardcore, the, the strangler, the Chicago strangler, right, is what they called him. I think, right? The 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 seashore, the something strangler. Something like that. Yeah, something yeah. strangler. That's what he was. And this is before he became the Dow. Yeah, Charles Lee Ray. So when he was Charles Lee Ray, he was evil, to say the least. Yeah. And, and 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 Chucky still is evil. He still is. But with yeah. Seed of Chucky, they made him comedic. Well, yeah, I would say, yeah, it was like what we, had, we were talking about just before we started, uh, Latrice, about yes. how uh, with Bride of Chucky and then even more so with Seed of Chucky, uh, the franchise took a turn into dark humor. Yes. Into, into like a, a dark or black comedy, as you will. Yeah, um, yes. And, and it was definitely the cheese and camp was definitely embraced particularly much in Cedar Yes, yes. And, and don't get me wrong. I am a big fan of black comedy. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of horror comedy as well. But, yeah. but for some reason, it Seed uh, of Chucky just didn't click with me. And I don't think, well, I don't think that it had any thing to do with the with the gender queer part of it for me I don't think that was it for me for me I think it was that I just wasn't used to Chucky being well he, he did he always was kind of comedic with his kills because even in part one you know he would kill you and then have a joke about it Right. But I don't know. I don't know. This one, as opposed to Bride of Chucky, because Bride of Chucky, that that's 
that's like my second uh, uh, matter of fact I, I did a ranking of my child uh, of the child's play um uh series and uh let's see I think what what did I um oh okay uh the first one for me is part two I love part two even over part one and part one is on my is the second on my list and then it goes to Bride of Tucky. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Cult of Tucky. Because Cult of Tucky was actually, oh my gosh, I remember when I saw it on Netflix. Uh, when it, because uh, I think it made its debut on Netflix. And when after that movie was over, Nathan, I stood up and I applauded the movie. I just loved it so much. I, I, I thought Cult of Tucky was just so. Yeah good yeah and, and i See, and, and that can, that's what's interesting too is that movies are kind of divided up into different sections right yes so like you have the first three movies they're called child's play child's play two child's play three and you have so you have the original trilogy which is you know late 80s or early 90s yeah um and then you see a transition to these black comedies the more embracing of the camp and the silliness with uh uh, Bride of Chucky, and then certainly with Seed of Chucky. Yes. And then uh, that was the last one that was in theaters. Yes. And so the the other two went straight to video, and they are Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, as you mentioned. Yes. And those were almost like a return to the horror. Yes. Still keeping that comedic edge a little bit, but more of a return to the horror. Route. Yes. Yeah, and that's what I loved, and and even with um. Even with the series Tucky, season one was phenomenal. I thought it was so good. It was so it was scary. That uh, that also brought it back to its roots. But then the second season, it kind of lost me. I only. Yeah, I don't want to go too much into this personally on the on the podcast because I haven't seen all of. I haven't caught up. Yet. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So then I won't say anymore. I won't say anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want to spoil it. Although I can't spoil it for you because I, I stopped watching after the second episode of um, season two. But if you haven't, yeah, okay. if you haven't uh, finished season one, I definitely am not going to spoil that. Yeah, I'm actually working on that right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Now season one, I will say this: it's phenomenal. It's but I I love I um as a matter of fact it's on um Peacock right now so I could watch season one over and over again because it's I just love it so much it's so it's scary it has it surprises you you know never ending twists and stuff I I can't say that same thing about the uh, the second season because I don't really know like I said I I I stopped watching at, at episode two. But I, I think what's uh, what I really dislike, um, and I want um, Donnie and Cindy to bring it back. I want him to bring back the the scare factor, you know, to to the movies, um, uh, which well, I think I, he did. I think, I think he has. I don't know if it's, it needs to be an either or though. Like I, I think because even when it is 
past the camp and the comedy and stuff, I can see the Chucky. There's still horror kills. I mean, oh yeah, uh, yeah, you're the, right. You're my right. My favorite kill later here. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still. I mean, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's maybe different, different focuses. Sure, um, but I think it, you know it's all a beautiful tapestry. The, oh the, yeah, the no. different styles that have been pursued on the different Chucky movies and shows. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, I I, I think um, <clears throat> I don't I don't know. I think maybe I. And was just so used to, you know, the the when you're used to something, you know, that's what you want to see, you know, all the time. And I guess I just, you know, was like, well, uh, it, it's kind of like the, that with um, uh, Freddy Krueger too, with the Nightmare on M Street movies. I did get a little bit sick of Freddy Krueger being comedic instead of him being the scary monster we all knew from the first second and even third movies it was in the fourth movie that he began it began to get a little bit old with him being all comedic yeah but see that's funny that you say that though because a lot of people say that him not being comedic in the remake Mm -hmm. with jackie earl haley that's the biggest critique of that movie is they're like it wasn't comedic and so therefore it wasn't freddy krueger right yeah and that is weird (laughs) it's it's funny that you say that because it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of people say why they don't like that right and see they think it's too much of a departure because it's a darker movie that embraces the fact right and you know what? It's so funny because that's not why I don't like it. I don't like Nightmare on Street not because it wasn't funny. I don't like it because it was to me. It was switched from what was going on in the original Nightmare on Street. It's kind of like they switched it around somewhat. I don't know. It's like they messed with it you know too much and so i didn't care about the comedic part of it i just i to me they just switched too much of it around you know it's like they messed with my movie you know (laughs) that's how i felt i felt like you guys messed with my movie you guys don't remember this whole thing though what's the point of doing a remake if you're just gonna do the exact same well, yeah, that's true too. Because I, I I don't like the remake of Psycho for that very reason. Yeah. All they did was do a, a shot for t- shot remake. Shot for shot remake. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I get you on that one. That's very true. So well, if you don't mind me asking, Nathan, what is your ranking for the Child's Play movie? Now, I think you um, mentioned it once before, because I know we all had um, uh, discussed Child's Play. Um, I think it was me, you, Lavelle, Jackson, um, and I forget who else was there. Oh, Christy, Christy um, Morris was there. Christy Escu Morris was there. Um, And I think Constance Goodrich. But yeah, but I think that you had mentioned in that um, discussion, which 
listeners, we did have a discussion on Child's Play. Um, I believe it is in season... Is it season seven? I think it's season seven. It was either season seven or season eight. Wow. I've been doing this a long time. I'm in season 26 now. (laughs) It's a season 26. Um, but um but yeah uh i i think i vaguely remember you giving your um uh ranking then but but do it again give, give us your ranking i don't yeah this is a hmm, i'm looking through my notes too while we're talking um, one of the things i was going to highlight i thought this was a good pull quote just about the series in general Yes, sir. Um, now that we're talking about it, they're saying whether you're a woman, a person of color, a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, or someone living with a disability, there's space for everyone in creator Don Mancini's world. Oh, yeah. I, I truly do believe that. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was a good kind of summation about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say, uh, to put them in a definite like bride bride and seed are my favorites mm-hmm. like my top favorites and then and, you know cult of chucky and curse of chucky after that probably I, I don't know it's interesting with some of these franchises that have continued that have lasted through that you know keep putting out movies i do tend to like some of the later entries more mm-hmm. or the ones that you know went off the beaten path and did something different mm-hmm. um yeah you know the first the first one you know obviously that started all is is kind of like the first halloween or the first nightmare on elm street oh and, right yeah know, that, that one it, it's kind of a given that you know that one is a classic uh, but my favorite ones you know are that i like to watch again and again are bride and seed and cult of chucky and Oh yeah, coming this new series and everything as well. So, oh yeah, I, I'm telling you, Culture Chucky. I probably should have put that as my number one because I love uh, Culture Chucky. I just thought it was so well done. As a matter of fact, you know, like like I said, that you know, I gave that movie a standing ovation. I and I also said out loud, that is how you do a freaking scary movie, people. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like Colt was kind of in spirit at least was a combination of like the the spirit of bride of chucky mixed with the you know the horror of the originals yeah 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 it, it was a good balance with the between the dark humor and the brutal kills so. uh, yep and and and, and... Like I said, my second favorite is Child's Play 2. And I thought that that was a really good uh, uh, scare, you know. That was just a a really good scary movie, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so. uh, Well, I got to ask you, uh, who was your favorite characters in this movie? uh, Besides Chucky and Tiffany. Because, you know, everybody loves Chucky and Tiffany. You know, even though they are yeah, hardcore killers. Things, one of the things I love about Seed of Chucky, and one of the things I guess that turns people off probably is Chucky isn't the main character in Seed of Chucky. Lynn no, Costa he's not. Is the main character. 
character. Yeah. Glenda, they, you know, this movie is about their offspring, you know, it's called Seed of Chucky, and it is, right. Glenn, Glenda is the main character, they're the protagonist, if you will, that you would be, that you're supposed to be rooting for throughout the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Glenn Glenda is, yeah, is my favorite, um, it's interesting, uh, um, here's an, uh, I wanted to read another quote that I found, uh, on, uh, Twitter, it said, uh, born as a reclamation of the idea that queer people are de- designated to the role of the sinners, the Chucky films are comforting and restorative visions of perverted representation. Those of us who aren't cisgender are often made to feel less than human in our own bodies as if our existence is a betrayal of nature, like a resurrection spell cast on a toy. Finding pleasure in body horror becomes a source of ridiculous catharsis. I thought that was an interesting take on mm-hmm. uh, the Chucky movies in general, um, but also, you know, right. Chucky in particular. Glenn Belinda is important to me um, and to a lot of LGBTQ people in that it is a really good, they are a really good representation of a non-binary or gender fluid person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, you know, you can make the argument that Glenn Glenda, you know, is most certainly non-binary, which is more of an umbrella term, right? It just means exists outside the binary of man. Um, but more specifically, the character is gender fluid. It, uh, they admit it, in the film, you know, sometimes I feel like a boy, sometimes I feel like a girl. Um, can I be both? And so they're very, you know, they're gender fluid. They go back and forth between man and woman throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I was thinking about um, the indigenous uh beliefs like Native Americans believe in, they have a a third gender called Mm -hmm. two-spirit, which is a third gender in their society that they recognize as someone who has a spirit of both a male and a spirit of a a man and a woman, Um, like someone literally with two spirits, which is an interesting um, analogy because Glenn Glenda ultimately ends up having their spirit split into two human babies mm-hmm. and become and being able to live fully as a boy and a girl mm-hmm. which is a really touching ending for the film but also kind of hints at maybe the fact that Glenn Glenda when they were created at the end of Bride of Chucky that they may be twin spirit you know two spirit and mm-hmm that's why they were able to be um, put into two separate babies at the end of the film. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's really interesting. Uh, uh, I love doing all the research and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, my favorite character was Joan. (laughs) I really liked Joan. I I liked her. uh, I thought that she was the only one that had sense in the movie. Well, I liked Jennifer Tilly too, but for a different, but for a very different reason. I love Jennifer Tilly because she is a phenomenal actress. I yes. just love Jennifer Tilly. Yes. 
Yes. And so, so I, uh, I, I, I had to give it to Jennifer Tilly and Joan because I, I just, uh, you know, I while I love uh, Joan's character in the movie because um, she did have sense. I also cannot deny the fact that I just love Jennifer Tilly. I, uh, I, yeah. She is one of my favorite actresses. Uh, yes. I do love um, uh, one of my favorite movies of hers. Uh, nobody probably has watched it. It was uh, I want to say it was a TV movie of the week. And it, the name is um, oh my gosh, what is the name of it? As much as I love this movie um, Mafia something. Mafia Wives or something like that. Something to do with mafia. Something to do with the mafia. She was married to somebody. She was either married to somebody in the mafia or she was um, the girlfriend of somebody in the mafia. And it's mafia something. Oh my gosh, I forget the name of it. But it is such a good movie. It was a two-parter. And the first part, um, the husbands get murdered by this man. Uh, by this um, actually he was just a boy I think he was the son of one of the uh, men that the mafia people killed or something like something like he winds up killing not only the husbands but the little boys too that was the one thing I didn't like about this movie that he killed the kids Um, and that was the first part that's how it ended with him killing um, the all the uh, gentlemen and stuff, and then the second part started with the women, the wives, and the girlfriends of the men who was killed. They take over the mafia. I'm trying to find this on IMDb, but I'm not seeing. Yeah, it, it sounds like what you're talking. About. You know what? If I, I bet you, I, oh my gosh, as much as I love. Bella Mafia. That's what it is. Bella Mafia. Bella Mafia? Yes. Bella Mafia. I think that's what it is. Okay, you got me over here um, searching for it too. Yep, Bella Mafia is a 1997 film with Vanessa Redgrave, Natasha Kinski, Jennifer Tilly, Elena Douglas, and Dennis Farina. Yep, I knew yeah, I wasn't I like crazy. Dennis Farina is awesome. I like him. He is. He is. Yeah, and he was awesome in this movie too. I, I'm telling you, it's a, such a good movie. And Jennifer Tilly just kicked butt in it. And she wasn't the only one in it though. Um, the girl from um, Jeepers Creepers, the first one, she's in it too. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, she she, so, she yeah, played the daughter of one of the men. Huh? This is, this is so funny. I, I love this though. This is the perfect podcast because like we're coming at it from so many from such different directions. Like you're like, I love Jennifer Tilly in this in this mafia movie, <laughs> and I'm like, I love Jennifer Tilly as a lesbian icon in the movie Bound <laughs> and as a gay icon in the Chucky movies and. Like, <laughs> Well, you know, we both agree that she's an amazing actress. Yeah. <laughs> we just come at it at a different angle, that's all. 
But what is the other part about Peter Chucky that's so great, like in talking about characters and stuff, it is not only do we have, you know, the, the queer icon of Jennifer Tilly, but we also have a gay icon and subversive director, John Waters. Oh, yes, and I was going to talk about him, too. <laughs> playing Pete Peters, the, the nosy paparazzi. Yes. Oh, my goodness. He just made me... He just made me hate the paparazzi even more than I already do. Oh, it was perfect casting, though. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Way, you can't deny that. that. John Waters was, you know, so with the pencil mustache and everything. Yeah, yeah we really can't deny that. Huh? <laughs> I said we can't deny that he he was yeah. perfect for for that, uh, yeah. and of course you know um, John Waters um, is a director, uh, phenomenal oh. director. He's um, directed. Uh, I think he directed Hairspray. Yeah, Hairspray, Pink Flamingos, um, A Dirty Shame, Cry Baby. Oh, yes. Crybaby is one of my favorites. Pink Flamingos is one of my favorites. Pink Flamingos with Divine. Now, Pink Flamingos, I have never never seen that with Divine, but I have seen Hairspray with Divine, and that was a a great movie. Pink Flamingos is a classic that the TV people are interviewing her. They're like, Divine, Divine, can you tell us a little bit about your politics? And she goes into the microphone without hesitation. Kill everyone now. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my politics. (laughs) Delivered only how Divine could have delivered it. Yes. Oh my goodness. Rest in peace to Divine. Rest in peace. Yes. Rest in peace to Divine. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so because of all of that history I have with John Waters' work, seeing him in such a role in Seed of Chucky and such a movie that embraces, you know, non gender nonconformity and gender fluidity and gender being a spectrum, uh, having him be in it is really special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it was very special for Don Mancini to have him in there. Yes. Uh, let's see. Um... Well, we are going to take a little break, um, Nathan, but when we get get back, I'll ask you who your least favorite um, character was. We will be right back after this, Warriors. Right, warriors, we are back. And Nathan, who was your least uh, favorite uh, character? I know you, you you never have an answer for this one. But... Sometimes I do, but very rarely. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I was thinking about this one. Least favorite. Um, I mean, Sarah's least favorite, but I guess the one that. He's just kind of a tool bag, but her driver, the limo driver, like, the dude, like, spends the entire movie, like, trying to tell her how much he loves her. And doesn't. And even in his dying breath, isn't able to say it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, and he ends up not being the second 
you know, body that Chucky would have taken over that ends up getting killed off. But then, and that's the other interesting thing about Seed of Chucky is when it culminates with, for Chucky, the character of Chucky, it culminates for him when he, you know, says enough, I have a high tolerance for nuts, but this is crazy. And, you know, he's like, just forget it. I don't even want to be in a human body. And for the first time. In five movies, for the first time in five movies, he's, he's admitted he, it. He, he says, "I don't want to be in a body anymore. Uh-huh. I want to be. I want to be the doll. I want to be Chucky the Killer doll." Well, you might as well shoot. I mean, <laughs> first of all, it's always. I mean, something all something or somebody always got in the way of him trying to get into a body. So. <laughs> So yeah. it makes and, but sense. But it's funny that once he's finally like faced with the insanity it takes to even make that happen, he's finally just like, you know what, forget it. I don't want to do that. You know, and because Cedar Chucky is all about, you know, it, you could say that there's elements of gender dysphoria in there too, or just being like that whole idea of transferring your spirit into a different body or not feeling comfortable in the body you have and wanting to be put into a different body like that just sums up gender dysphoria and non-binary identities really well like just the whole concept of Chucky in general really any of the movies but especially the way it's highlighted and seen mm-hmm. yeah. yeah see you're the perfect person to talk about this with because I uh, don't follow any of that, you know, because just because I know who I am, you know, I am a girl. I am Latrice Rochelle Carter. I am, you know, I I am a child child of God. I, I, you know, I, I, um, I just think, you know, like, and like you said, we both come from different, you know perspectives of the movie yeah. you know and, and i think that is okay i think that's great actually you know um uh, to have differing opinions and to respect each other's opinions you know what i'm saying you know not to argue or fight over it you know yeah i, I mean i you know listeners i don't know what's so hard about you you know just coming together you don't have to agree with everything somebody right. is saying but don't be disrespectful yeah. either you know yeah. what's so what's so hard about that you know well and not only that but i mean even though i have a different perspective i value your opinion and respect your opinion as my friend y- yes and sir so, you know, and so like I, I I value it because it is different. Yes, sir. Exactly. It's not something to fight over. It's something to embrace. Uh, it's good that we have different worldviews where we're coming at the movie because it's better for the you know even for the podcast itself to be talking about this movie from different angles. It, yes, sir. Yeah, and I agree with all of that. I, I want to give you a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, well, my least favorite character, who did I have as my least favorite character? I don't even know who I wrote down. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, <laughs> I did. 
<laughs> I didn't care for Redmond. <laughs> Red- oh yeah, Redmond. No, it's so funny that because like Red Redman and uh, and Jennifer Tilly were both playing like a a caricature of each other. Uh huh. Uh, of themselves, you know, and so like I just like the way that Redman delivered some of his lines, though, where he was yeah. like, "Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize you were so passionate about the role." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it my, was just my, so my favorite hot and ridiculous. Like, I, I I didn't like I didn't like his character in Speak uh, of but one of my favorite line one of my favorite lines was uttered by him. He was like. Congratulations, who the baby daddy? Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, maybe I, he said, I got a vasectomy as soon as I came to Hollywood. I, I ain't stupid. <laughs> I ain't stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. But yes. Just a, just a little slip. <laughs> Oh, I love, oh my goodness, I love uh, Jennifer Tilly's voice. She says, she calls the, um, uh, it's okay, honey, it was just a little snack. Yeah, we don't have to tell daddy. (laughs) We don't have to tell daddy. I love how they both had bodies in their closets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's an entire section of this movie that we haven't seen because there's a a point where Chucky says, what are we going to do today, son? And then later in the movie, they don't show what they did that day. They go straight to that night. And when when it goes to the closet later, Chucky has three dead bodies. Yes. We didn't see him kill. Yes. Because because apparently that whole day that we didn't get to see what him and Glenda were doing. Right. uh, Yeah, because remember he uh, said, because Glenn, uh, I think Glenn, and Glenda, they they said, um, uh, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, where are we going? And Ducky said, hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but, I mean, the whole thing, like, because of all those off-screen kills, um, the body count on this movie is actually 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was another thing. Well, well, we'll we'll get to it. Uh, I'll talk about it when we get yeah. to it. But um, so would you say that that was your fa- favorite scene then? Because that's the next question on my uh, on my oh. <laughs> on my notes. Like, uh, what was your uh, favorite scene? Would you say that? Favorite um, scene? Yeah. No favorite scene, uh, and I have some notes about this section. This is uh, yeah. Here we go. Um, okay, um, this excerpt that I'm going to read is from an article by a non-binary trans person named Wren Crane. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their name is Wren Crane. And uh, this goes to my favorite quote in the movie, which is kind of my favorite part in the movie. Um, anyways, they, they say, uh, um, they said, like, uh, Chucky represents people, Chuck, in this film, Cedo Chucky, Chucky represents people who are comfortable in their ignorance and sometimes their outright bigotry. Like many, Chucky is unaware of the irony of him demanding acceptance he refuses to give to others. 
but it starts up the gender argument again until Glenn Glenda, with tears running down their cheeks, cuts them off with a monologue so relatable that I cried the first time I heard it. You're tearing me apart. What about what I want? Doesn't what I want mean anything at all? I think I want to be a boy, but being a girl would be nice too. Not sure, but sometimes I feel like a boy, sometimes I feel like a girl. Can't I be both? Wren goes on and says, I deeply relate to the experience of having my identity debated in front of me. Too often people will discuss the validity of my gender as if I wasn't even there. And this scene perfectly captures the way it hurts when people continuously refuse to respect you on such a base level. So, yeah, it's that section there in that quote. It, the whole movie just is kind of climaxes at that point of, you know, Glenn Glenda coming out and saying, like, you're tearing me apart. Like, nobody's asked me what I want. Like, Chucky wants a son, Tiffany wants a daughter, but nobody ever stopped to ask, what did Glenn Glenda want? And, you know, and then Glenn Glenda going through all of this emotional, you know, heaviness, uh, trying to come to terms with their own gender without anyone around them supporting them, and which is why it culminates in this this monologue that mm -hmm. that Glenn Berta gives. That's good. That was good. Now, my favorite scene is uh, I I really like the beginning, y'all, uh, and I think I like the beginning because it it had that scare factor to it because um, you know we see uh, Glenn Glenda going up the stairs, and then we see him. Uh, uh, kill the girl's parents and stuff like that. Oh, and, but yeah, then we realize it's all the dream. But still, yeah. but still, it it had that creepiness and scariness. And and you know that. Uh, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, um, many many times again during you know during the podcast that I do going forward. Uh, if you can't grab me at the start of the movie you don't have me you know you, you got to grab my attention attention and this movie did grab my attention at the start of the movie you know because you know there you know again we see him going up the stairs you know we see him you know uh killing these people and then you know like i said we realize that it's a dream but still but i'm invested now you know yeah so now you got me so now you know i have to stay for this movie because what else is going to happen you know so yeah. so that was my favorite part yeah see it's interesting to me because the um it establishes early on you know at the beginning of the movie that that because of glenn glenda's you know biology with being the the offspring of chucky and tiffany they already struggle with these nightmares and and right and, and killing feelings of, of killing um but ultimately the movie too is about them coming to terms with like do i have to be a killer do i have to be like my parents and right. that whole idea of do i have to turn out and make the same mistakes as my parents did so there's that and the answer is no too. <laughs> yeah 
You do well, not have to follow in your parents' footsteps. They see, you know, Chucky is kind of representative in this movie of toxic masculinity and trying to bring Glenn along to go kill some people um, because he views that as a masculine activity to do with his son. Um, right. And that's why it's interesting that uh, the peak of, you know, the climax of the movie, when we think it's Tiffany that burns Joan and knocks her over the balcony to her death we think it's her but it's actually glinda fully formed right glinda fully formed and glinda saying are you proud of me dad you know i'm finally a killer just like you wanted but not just like you wanted i'm glinda not glenn you know and and so yeah it just it's so interesting how all that unfolds to me Uh, yeah yeah and i could see that i could see why that would be interesting because uh, it, it, this is actually a really good, interesting uh, psychology uh, <laughs> film. It's, yeah, I really I think, dug in a lot to the psychology and the ideology of the film itself. It, it, there's a lot of stuff, uh, resources out there for research. Oh, I'm sure. I am sure. Uh, okay, well, now, what is your least favorite scene? If you have one, because I know you probably don't have one. <laughs> no, I is... have notes about something. Hold on, let me see. If you want to do yours while I'm looking. Oh, sure, sure. My yeah. least favorite scene is the end. Y'all know I don't really do well with um, uh, kids being killed or being hurt in a um, scary movie. So when, he, when Chucky's arm goes to kind of like, grab um uh glenn's neck yeah i didn't really yeah i didn't like that (laughs) oh yeah yeah leave the babies alone people (laughs) yes yes okay so we seriously shoot i don't know if i can find this Hmm. heck it's uh, the babies being killed or hurt—that's the only—that's the reason reason why I don't like Pet Cemetery and Pumpkinhead. <laughs> I have to stop watching them. <laughs> I, oh, I yeah. found myself Pumpkinhead. crying. I remember that. Yes, I find myself crying every time that little boy is hit by the motorcycle. Oh, do you have your uh, notes ready, uh, Nathan? Yeah. Um, hey, I understand. I, I'd be like that yeah. too. I'm like, what the heck did this I write? Crazy. I don't remember where I wrote it down. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can find this. So it has to do with the scene where Glenn Glenda is inspected. And I'm trying to find the section of that. Oh, here we go. Uh, okay, here we go. Okay. Okay. The pain, yeah, the pain of coming out. Um, 
Chucky, Tiffany, and the Panda coming out. Um, instead of asking Glenn, Glenda how they feel, Ch Chucky and Tiffany bicker about gender between themselves. This leads to a moment many people probably find funny, but it's a moment that's incredibly hard for me to watch. They pull down Glenn, Glenda's trousers to inspect their genitals. In my experience, cisgender people have always had an obsession with them, likely because they dangerously equate sex with gender. Many people feel they have a right to this information. I found that this will often lead complete strangers to cross boundaries. They give an example here in the U.S. They said in the U.S., uh, I'm not sure what state this is, but this is a law in some state. U.S., there's a law that's recently been instituted that allows an adult to check a child's genitals in schools if they're even suspected of being transgender. It's claimed that this is done to prevent any harm coming to the cis children in those schools and to keep kids from unfairly competing in sports. All it does, though, is put trans kids and even cisgender people that don't present cisgender, perhaps, in danger. The fact of being the act of being inspected like this is invasive and dehumanizing, and it's something no one should be subjected to. Because this scene reflects so many of the painful realities of being trans, it will never be read as comedy to me. So I thought that uh, that yeah. was the thing, uh, the, the perspective I wanted to highlight um, from for that scene that a lot of people will think this was from that was uh, another from the writings of Ren Crane on Seat of Chucky. Uh, I thought that was a really unique perspective on a scene that would typically be overlooked as just a, a funny scene for most people, but in fact is it, it, a very really not. tragic and tragic and dehumanizing scene for those that struggle with gender dysphoria <clears throat> and others. When I lived in Detroit, uh, I worked at Pizza Hut. I worked at Pizza Hut for uh, about 12 years before... Um, before I moved here to Texas. Well, uh, I remember um, I had gotten a new manager because my uh, old manager, who is one of my very best friends now, she got moved to another store. Right. Another manager had came in. And I, I remember this man it, it was very nice. Still is very nice. He, Still is one of my favorite people today. A uh, great manager, you know, always treated me with respect. I always treated him with respect. But, uh, and his name is Max. However, however, uh, and, and uh, oh my goodness, I probably shouldn't have said his name, but Max, if you're listening to this, you know I respect the heck out of you and I love the heck out of you. Um, but, um, he was born with both genitals. Oh, so Mac, he's intersex. Yeah. Uh, oh, how do they call that? A uh, hermo, hermo diet, uh, outdated term. Now, nowadays, it would just say intersex. Oh, okay, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Intersex. Uh, and um, <clears throat> good because I there's no way I can say that word without messing up. And they're actually that's that. The I and LGBTQIA uh -huh. I stands for intersex. Oh, okay. Okay, good. 
Uh, but uh, so, uh, you know, and there were a lot of people that laughed because, you know, and, and when I looked at Max, I could tell that he looked like a girl, but I could also see him as a man. And uh, he did have a girl's name too, Emily. Emily, I remember that. And it, this is all those years ago. And Max, again, I'm sorry if I'm overstepping. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But um, uh, but um, uh, but yeah, he um, uh, but he felt like a man. He felt like a man. So he decided, you know, and I might I might, I might say he married a woman. He did marry the woman. And she was, oh my gosh, I, I, I love her. I love her. I, I, was, I hope they are both doing well. They no longer live in Detroit. Um, they uh, live, um, I forget where, where they live now, but, they, but they're doing awesome. Um, <clears throat> and, um, but, uh, but like I said, you know, everybody, you know, made fun of him. And then, so he, he actually had to sit all of us down and let us know what was going on. And he did. And, you know, he said, you know, I, I, I'm a, I am both, you know, but I am more, I feel like a man. Right. And now. Yeah, that's a great, uh, uh, talking about an intersex individual is a great way to approach talking about gender being separate from biology. Um, because gender and biological sex are not the same. And when you have someone who's intersex, they aren't a, just just a biological male or just a biological female. And oftentimes, right. you know, their they, gender preference, their gender preference will be one way or the other, sure, or it might be neither at all. You know, in the, in the case of your friend, it sounds like they, their gender identity was that of a man. It, yes. it sounds like they're living as a man. And, and he is. See, I mean, he is a full, I think his beard is much 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 um bushier than yours actually i just saw Very a picture good. i just saw a picture of him on, on facebook but uh yeah, so that's but, awesome that's great yeah so i mean he, so he it, you know he said that you know he, he he wanted to live this life as a man and that's what he's doing so yeah. and you know and, awesome. and and so uh and i said all that to say that you know i do believe that God gives us either or a man or a female and that will come to that um we'll be getting to that you know question in just a minute but uh but I but this is my belief you know my belief is God does you know he doesn't make any mistakes he he he, get, he puts us as either a man or a woman and, and like I said before I know that I am a woman you know, and, you know, and so it, but I know for Max's case, and I'm sure it's like that for all intersex kids. Uh, I, I said that right, right, Nathan, did I intersex? intersex I said that right. Yeah. yeah, I said that right. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't want to disrespect anybody, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, no, it's just that, that, you know, as humans learn things about these things and as psychology progresses and medicine progresses terms change and 
you know, it, I know, I know you, Latrice, and I know you wouldn't purposely say anything uh, that would be. No, no, yeah, no, it's, sir. It's more of just it, terms change all the time, and you know what was formerly called maybe hermaphroditism is now known as intersex. So. Yes, uh, thank you, thank you, and, and, and you know, for I, I know for Max's case, and for probably for a lot of other, you know, uh, intersex kids or intersex adults even because max was an adult when all this was going on yeah uh uh you know uh they have to decide you yeah. know what do they feel you know because you have both general i i right. see and i can't speak on that because um i well, <laughs> and, and i'm glad you're saying that because it just reminds me it's actually extremely important that an intersex individual be allowed to choose later because there have been cases, many cases of intersex individuals that are born that are then assigned a sex and given surgery to affirm that assigned sex. And right. then later in life, they experience gender dysphoria. dysphoria. And that's where that comes in. The other gender. Yep. Yeah, and that's where that comes in. The other gender. And so it's, it's so critical that, you know, if you have a intersex child, they're born intersex, do not give them surgery to confirm one or the other because you don't know which you don't one know they're what going they, to identify Exactly. With. And they're, and they're still children at that point. You know what? Because because I I, I I think we're getting we're going in that direction anyway. The Bible question that I always ask, how does this pertain to the Bible? Well, what I put down is confusion. Confusion is not of God. We know this. And uh, it, it says, um, let me get to it. Um, and. First Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And that's um, uh, uh, 1433a. That's the first part of the scripture. Right. And, um, and see, to me, Chucky and Tiffany kind of confused Glenn. And I, I will go further. I'll go further right after we take a break. We have to take a um, quick little break, but I'm going to go further into that. We'll be right back, Warriors. All right, Warriors, and we are back. Uh, and uh, and I was just about to get very deep on y'all. So, <laughs> but uh, but no, um, uh, you know, uh, Tiffany and Chucky. Yes. They wanted different things. <laughs> yes, as fathers and mothers often do out of their children. Uh, yes, and and you know, uh, I mean. Tiffany wanted a girl, Chucky wanted a boy. And so because of that, I mean, 
they confused the heck out of that poor little kid. And, and, and that's, see, confusion is of the devil. And we all know this. Um, everybody that is Christian, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, you already know that the devil is the author of confusion, not God. And, and, and it does, it, and he does work on us when we are little. The devil does. He he does. He doesn't wait until we are in our teenage years. He doesn't wait until we are in our twenties or thirties or forties because by then we've already been through so much trauma, right? A lot of us have been through a lot of stuff in our lives, you know, when we were younger. And and why do you think that is? That is because the devil gets to us when we're young. And so when we're older, you know, we're like, wow, why did that happen? How did that happen? You, you understand what I'm saying, Nathan? Am I making sense to you or? Um, I would just, I mean, I see what you're saying. I, I, I don't agreed if you're inferring that uh that gender dysphoria is a tool of the devil oh no 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 not not gender dysphoria uh the confusion of it is of the devil because i think a lot of um you know a lot of parents can confuse their kids uh, especially with, um, like, you know, and again, Max, you know, I, please forgive me if I'm overstepping, but, but, you know, in the case of my friend Max, he knew what he was. Right. And the, but the parents had other preconceived notions. Exactly. Because you said they named them Emma. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so obviously Max, they wouldn't identify as Emily, but their parents, like, had projected that onto them exactly but yeah, max knew yeah. who he was he knew that he was a man you know right. he even well, yeah. he even looked like a man i mean i could tell that he was a girl too because um I, I remember he came in with earrings one day and i said he looks like a girl today but then the next day you know he will you know look more manish so i knew yeah. that he I knew that he was a he I always and I always have called him Max. Like even before he told us about yeah. what he was going through. I always called him Max. And yeah. he never once reprimanded me for it. He never once, you know, because he knew how respect like you, he knew how respectful I was. And I was always respectful to him. Yeah. And I was always, you know, I was a good worker, so he never really had to reprimand me or anything like that. But, um, uh, but, but yeah. So I, I, I don't think that um, the dysphoria itself is of the devil. I think the confusion of it, the when you try to, or not even try to, when you just confuse the heck out of a child kind of right. like yeah and that's why it's you know why we have some people you know in our society are calling to say you know when uh, uh, recently a politician uh, said uh, you know when our kids tell us who they are we need to believe them 
And I think what they were trying to get at is kind of similar to what you're saying, Latrice, of, you know, we should, you know, try and guide our children. But when, you know, they're sharing something authentic about themselves, that we need to believe them and we need to affirm them and not try to introduce confusion into the situation. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm uh, saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because because then, you know, it's kind of like even with trans youth, you know, and and see, I'm like this. We have to protect the kids. I don't care if they are trans or not. We have to protect them. And and protecting them sometimes means calling them what they are. If they are a boy, they are a boy. If they are a girl, they are a girl. Now, if they want to grow up, and they if if they grow up, not if they want to grow up, but if they grow yeah. up, <laughs> if they grow up, and, and when they grow up, when they grow up, yes, when they grow up, <laughs> yes, let me um rephrase that. When they grow up, <laughs> they can there they can then decide what they if if they still feel this way if they still feel that way then they can go ahead and make that decision because they are older it, it's kind of yeah. just like with the intersex you know like uh, you know i i keep using max as an example only because he's the only one that i know that has right. had you know, this but it's a good example to say you know that's a decision that's better safe for later yes yes you know and and i think with I think, you know, there are some aspects to, to gender affirming care that are perfectly safe and, and okay, I think, for younger people, but there are certainly more invasive or irreversible parts of gender affirming care that I think should be safe for when you're a legal adult, like you're saying. Yes, yes. You know, you know, like the more per- permanent things, like the, uh, what do they call it, uh, I don't know, uh, anything where they're removing anything from the body right? or or forming a new thing on the body. Exactly. I think those kinds of things should be for legal adults just because they are irreversible decisions. And, yes. Know, things like double mastectomies and penectomies and things like that. Should, exactly. Should, should probably not be, be being done. But at the same time, the places where this is happening, these are with, you know, trans kids and their parents support what they're doing. And it's so they have parental consent. So it's not right. like right. they're going out and doing this willy nilly without any sort of regulation. Right, I mean, right, these right. Kids have support systems, but I think it's just shocking to most people because this isn't happening everywhere. It's happening regionally, right? Yeah. And so, and so, you know, it can, can be shocking, but we, we need to realize that these kids that are, that, you know, some of them do end up going through some of these things and end up regretting it, end up detransing as they Yes, say. yes, um, I, I have so heard that, some there stories. there is a, a social contagion element to it, I think, because we do see some kids identifying as trans after several of their friends have come out that way. And yes. so I do feel that there is that peer pressure element to it, but that doesn't change 
that there are real, authentic trans children and trans kids out there that actually do need to transition for their own mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just need to realize that there's both of those. They're not mutually exclusive. There's, There's real trans people, and then there's people that get caught up in the social contagion element of it because with anything like this there's going to be that element oh yeah Uh, and and so i don't think it's an either or i think it's both and we just need to be cognizant when we're talking about these issues especially as as believers in jesus that when we talk about these issues we don't you know negate that someone has a real experience just because someone else had a not real experience oh right right i understand what you're saying yeah yeah and and and, you know don't get it twisted for all the christians out there who feel like oh you know this is a natural or this is a normal well you know one could say that about somebody who does drugs yeah what is natural about putting something up your nose you know but yet you want to go you want to go ahead and and uh you know down a transsexual when you're doing yeah. drugs you're you know it one sin is not any better than the other and, and, and though I mean that, that I mean that that was just some examples I wanted to use, you know, because a yeah. lot of people would like would love to be like, um, oh, they're going to hell. Like, oh, okay, okay. Well, what did you do last night? What sins yeah. did you do? Right. Yeah. Just and today. Here's the thing, and I'm glad glad you brought that up. And this is why I have like so much respect for you as a Christian. Um. Uh, is because, um, you know, there's the verse to remove the beam in your own eye before looking at the speck in your brother's eye, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have that, you know, but that's the thing. Like, we we live, you know, a lot of the things that we, we, as people, find, uh, you know, the the other, the different, uh, it's all cultural. You know, and so mm-hmm. in some cultures, there there have been uh, recognized their genders before, mm-hmm. in indigenous cultures and other cultures throughout history. You know, we know these things to be recognized, but you know, culturally speaking, for some people, talking about such things is weird and other and um, and repulsive. You know, even. Mm-hmm. Which is sad, I think, because, you know, if as people who claim to follow Christ, we are supposed to show Christ's love first and foremost, says, you know, exactly. treat others like you would treat yourself. And I, I think the most Christ-like thing to do with a transgender or non-binary person or a, or a gay person, for that matter, mm-hmm. The, the most Christ-like response is to show kindness and love and, and to show God's love to them. Oh, most definitely. You know? And, and, and so, I'll yeah. go one further, Nathan. There's a scripture that says, um, and it's in First John. Uh, okay. How can you say 
you love your brother who you can see and and in the same breath say that you love god who you can't see how can you love your brother i mean how can you not love your brother who you can see i can see you nathan i see yeah. you yeah i love you i see you yeah i love you and i love god i can't even see him but i love god but if i hated you and and say that i love god well then the truth is not in me because you're 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 my brother i can i can see you i i and i can guys i can see we're on the facebook messenger uh chat yep. so i can see him <laughs> yep. but uh but if i if i hated you and claimed to love god the truth isn't in me yeah. it's just not because how, how can you say you hate your hate what is in front of you hate your brother but mm -hmm. yeah but say i love a god who i can't even see yeah, can't we can't see. even yeah. touch him nathan we can't we can't touch him we can't see him we can't do any of that yeah but yet i say i love him and hate you it doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense mm -mm. so i choose me latrice rochelle carter i choose to love my neighbors as myself and as i love god i choose to love everybody yeah yeah because here's the thing guys this whole left versus right culture war bs is just not helping anybody it like, really isn't the, the spirit that latrice is talking about of having towards your fellow humans is the spirit we need to have we need to have a spirit of reconciliation with our fellow humans not a spirit of divisiveness not a spirit of civil war like some are calling for you know? exactly we think the rhetoric has gotten way out of hand on the the, the two extremes, the far left and the far right. The rhetoric is just way out of hand. People calling for a national divorce, civil war, or whatever. Like, it's just too extreme. Christ brought a message to earth of reconciliation. That's the biggest difference between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, right. they had to make sacrifices of animals to God constantly to make up for their failings as sinful humans. Mm -hmm. And Christ came in the New Testament. Christ came and brought God's reconciliation, the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. He was the bridge. About this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, reconciliation should be our prime objective. And that following that verse, you know, what is the greatest commandments to love your Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor. That's right. right. And so, and it did know. not say the Bible does not say love your neighbor unless they are trans, love your right. neighbor unless they fornicate, love your neighbor unless they are murderers, love your right. neighbor unless they are this. No, the Bible doesn't say that, right? See, I always had like that. That's why I've always had a problem with people that are like standoffish to like LGBTQ lifestyles and people. Mm -hmm. Is, be, is is because a lot of these same people I I watched mm -hmm. these same people in, in years in my past in my past I've watched these same people fornicate mm 
mm-hmm. have sex outside of marriage, fornicate outside of marriage. And I'm not even talking about either of us. I'm talking about someone I'm thinking from years in my past. Right, right. Like watching people like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not biblically correct for, you know, for a man to be gay. Right. And but then they're like, oh, but my girlfriend's spending the night. Right. <laughs> in the same <laughs> breath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've seen that happen. And it's just like, if they, even if it is a sin, like you claim, it's no more of a sin than what you're doing. So That's right. I, see the I always say, and listen, I, I do not plan to, I, I, I do not, uh, I do not sit here and claim to be perfect, perfect, perfect. Right. Me and my fiance, we're not married yet, yet we have a son. Well, and I realized halfway through what I was saying, Latrice, that you might take offense to what I was saying. Oh, I was not referring no. to you. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I know. <laughs> I, I understood what you were saying. I didn't take offense to it because I yeah. know, I know that, I know that I am out of order um, when it comes to that. I really do. I know and I understand. But at the same time, y'all are doing the right thing. You're staying together and you're raising oh, kids yeah. and you're you're doing the right thing. So yeah, you know it. You you know they say what is what is the, you know I guess if we're calling a sin a bad thing, right? It's the making the best of a bad situation. You know. Uh, yeah. You know, it, yeah. it is what it is, and it results from what it results, but at the same time, y'all are taking responsibility for being honorable and being godly. And, and you, you know, uh, there's a saying that, you know, some people love to say, uh, they say, God don't bless mess. Well, I say this. I say he might not bless mess, but he can turn the mess into a mess. See, the only time, that's really good. The only time I've seen that is the God bless this mess. Like asking God, like, please bless this mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's now, like on a sign, you know, like Hobby Lobby or Michael's, bless this mess. Yes, yes. I've seen that. Where it's like, yes. So I'm familiar with it from that perspective. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the pleading God to bless this mess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please bless it, Lord. Bless it. No, no. Please. But uh, well, because I mean, in a way, that's that's a biblical principle of bless this mess. Because I was, you know, always heard growing up that that you know that we're supposed to come to God as we are. Yes. Not, and that's not, very not true. Do all the work and then come to God and say, "How did I do?" Right. Exactly. But, no, that's you know, not how God it works. Actually. <laughs> That is not how it works. He actually cleans us up from the right. inside out. You know, that right. that's what he does. And that's why we are supposed to give everything over to him because he is the only one that can clean us up. Yeah. He's the only one. And, and oh my gosh. Okay, okay, Lord. That did this is why we were I, I you know have this movie for today. Oh my gosh, okay. you know, I, I did not think that, you know, I was like, what the heck was I thinking? Seed of Chucky on Good Friday? Am I crazy? But now that we are getting deep in all this, I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, I see now why this, okay. Yeah. yeah. This was needed in this time. Maybe somebody needed to hear our words, Nathan, you know, uh, especially 
especially they need to hear that as different opinions as we have, we are able to be respectful towards each other. I, I love Nathan with all of my heart and he knows that. And I love his wife with all of my heart and hopefully she knows that too. And, and, uh, and uh, I just, um, we have that respect. You yeah. Know? And I think yeah. that people, um, as I hope that this um, episode gets a lot of listeners because I think they need to hear a, a coming together of opinions mm-hmm. where it's not, oh, you're this, oh, no, you're that, blah, 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 blah. you're going to hell. You know, yeah. they don't need to hear that. Well, yeah, and and nowhere in the Bible does, you know, God say, shout at people and tell them why they're going to hell. Exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, we don't need to hear that, people. <laughs> that's not a biblical principle or a, or a holy way of approaching things. Exactly, exactly. You know? But now that we've gotten the deepness off the way and we have gotten deep, I am sorry about that, listeners. I didn't really expect to get that deep, but I'm glad, I'm kind of glad that we did. But can I, now that we like did the spiritual aspect, I had a little thing that I kind of put together, something I wrote. Yes, yes, please. So, um, I'll, I'll preface this preface this with saying um, um, yeah here I'll just read it, 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 it it's kind of awkward at first some of the stuff that I talk about from being a little kid is kind of weird but bear with me mm-hmm. um, this is kind of a big deal for me because this is the first public time I'm doing this but, um, this is my seed uh, of Chucky uh, self reflective essay in six parts I just wrote some notes now after I've been watching the movie this week. So as I growing up, I always felt different from the boys around me. I would be, you know, curious about their anatomy, but shy of ever showing my own. Um, I would, you know, see them, I would see them going, standing up like boys do, you know, while I always actually did it sitting down like girls do. I didn't do it like boys do until I was 11 or 12 years old. I never fit in with the other boys, but I was, I was just a kid, you know. I didn't think much of it beyond just being aware that I was different. Um, as a teen, I was always more focused on my queerness than I was my gender. But as time went on, I became an adult in my 20s. I started feeling like I needed to prove how manly and masculine I was. If I could just work a manly job or wear the right clothes or grow a great big bushy beard, then I could prove that I was a man. I'd always feel like I needed to qualify my manhood. But then in my 30s, I began not caring as much about what others' expectations of me were. And it was in my 30s in which I've deconstructed my gender. And I've been gender questioning for quite some time now. Um, my name is Nathan. I identify as non-binary. And to me, that means I'm third gender. I don't identify as a woman or as a man. I I believe, I feel, I affirm that I am non-binary. My gender expression is definitely mostly masculine, though, because I have a beard and everything, of course. But my rougher exterior isn't how I feel on the inside. On the inside, I exist beyond the binary, beyond traditional gender roles, beyond people's expectations of me. 
And that's, uh, you know, I'm Nathan. That's all I'll ever be. And that's all I can be. And more importantly, it's all I want to be. And if you know me, that's a big freaking deal. So yeah, a seed of Chucky is an important and essential film to me. I love queer horror cinema so much in general. But this one is special because it's the one that made me realize it's perfectly okay to feel disconnected from your body or different to the point of being recognized by society as the other, let alone just not feeling like you fit in with all the cishet normies around you. But, you know, Seed to Chucky made me realize it's okay to be non-binary and queer because it's a film that, along with its predecessor, Bride of Chucky, is chock full of queer icons, LGBTQ characters and themes along with a general sense of celebration for the others of society. It's sleazy, it's cheesy, and it's a bloody good time at the movies. And, you know, I thank Don Mancini. I actually met him before, and I, I thank him again for this incredible entry in the Chucky Universe, Seat of Chucky, and also to Billy Boyd for bringing Glenn Glenda to life so beautifully in this brutally underrated cult classic horror film that we have been discussing tonight. There you go. That was a, actually a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> it, it, that that is it, it. Really is, and um, I I do I, I thank you for reading all that again. Maybe somebody needed to hear that. You know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's you know it's it's been a journey, and I'm still going on my journey, but. You know, for me as an adult, like just not identifying with traditional gender roles or, you know, uh, expectations and the way I was raised, you know, with breadwinner. I don't want you to take this the wrong way, um, Nathan, but I do pray that that God gives you the confirmation you need to know, you know, what you are and and who you are you know yeah yeah and this is all part of that journey you know deconstructing my gender kind of came out of deconstructing my faith Mm -hmm. you know and and i'm finally getting to a place now where i'm feeling where i've been doing more reconstruction instead of you know a lot of people deconstruct and then they deconvert um i think i deconstructed deconverted reconstruct a little bit deconvert it again and then anyways now i've restructured again and um starting to feel a more of a a center and part of that is the non-binary aspect feeling more third gender and outside of you know and people get confused because gender expression and gender identity are different gender expression is just your outward appearance and how you present yourself but um, yeah 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 but yeah going back to the film though oh yeah 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 well we have to take one more little break because um the time is running out on me again i i swear time goes by so fast I'm not even kidding. Okay, we're going to take one more little break, guys. And hopefully this will be the last break. And we will be right back. Yeah, 
All right, Warriors, and we are back. And uh, yes, let's go back to the movie, Nathan. Uh, um, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, who was your what what was your favorite uh, creative kill, or whose yeah. kill did you think was more creative? You know, it it starts in an anticlimactic way, but uh, Glenn Glenda's accidental killing of John Waters. <laughs> um, with the sulfuric acid over the face, the special effects on that sequence are amazing. Like the way he dies, and then they end up taking the photo with the body. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that was just playing comedic. Movie later, like say the you know oh yeah the photo flips out of Chucky's shirt out of his overalls, and Tiffany finds it, and he gets in trouble. And then later, <laughs> even later, five years after the events of the film, you know at the end of the movie, the uh, Glenn child uh, between the Glenn and the Glenda twins, the Glenn still has that photo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. And so even though they were separate from Chucky, and that's the other thing that's, like, amazing, uh, too, about this movie is the ending uh, is just, uh, here, let me pull this up right now. Okay, so here it is. This is great. This was uh, the last little piece I'll read from this other piece that I found. But it said, The climax of the film is stunningly sensitive as two imperfect parents diverge after spending the entire time trying not to let their own issues impact a child dealing with their gender. Tiffany and Glenn Glenda steal away from Chucky and possess Jennifer Tilly and her magic children. They co-opt an image of the perfect human life. Glenn Glenda now split to fully live as both a boy and a girl. In this moment, Mancini offers the kind of touching summation countless ostensibly serious films about gender have failed to articulate. What vices and values we develop are distinct from, but must also be viewed in context of our parents. Their relationship with our queerness may never fully match up. Mm. So yeah, the, just the whole idea of the, aside from the jump scare at the end with Chucky's arm, mm -hmm. that ending is a happy ending, and literally he gave he not only introduced such a strong non-binary character, but he then gave that character and their mother a happy ending. You know, yeah. aside from the little jump scare at the end, that that the. There, she's now Jennifer Tilly. She's rich and successful. She's providing right. a great life for her children. Like it's literally like the best possible outcome, and yeah, especially in in such a uh, a movie. Yeah, that that's true. In such a movie as this, that yes. deals with murder, of course. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like in such a campy, crazy, silly, you know, horror movie horror comedy it's like this idyllic ending it's really interesting yeah now my favorite um uh creative uh or i shouldn't say my favorite but it definitely was creative in my opinion um uh the the when they um uh when they uh chop off the head of the um <laughs> The special effects guy, even though it kind of it it did oh, look yeah. kind of fake, the way that the head, but uh, the 
how how the uh tissue was hanging out and everything like that when when jennifer tilly you know picked up the head and she's like you're better you're better looking than my boyfriend or something or something yeah. like that it, it you could tell the head looked fake but i thought that it was very creative how they how they had the string around his neck and they just pulled <laughs> that it yeah, right it's off like the wire that yeah kind of like the wire in ghost ship yeah everybody in half it's mm -hmm. the same idea uh, i thought it was cool though is that's actually tony gardner who was actually the chief controller of the robotic puppets and everything he was actually yeah. the guy that yeah i, I thought that, that was department. really cool too yeah. yeah uh well i don't have any more questions um I, I usually save the bible question for the last question but we were i mean we were on that topic so i had to get that out of oh, the yeah. way yeah. so but uh i have five fun facts here um the first fun fact i have is uh well and you talked about this at the start of the um podcast um nathan the role of peter peters was written specifically for john waters as he yeah. was a fan of the child's play movies um, my fun fact number two is quentin tarantino was originally offered the role that redmond later played as the role uh what uh, he he um he original uh, I'm, I'm sorry let me go back quentin tarantino was originally offered the role that redmond later played as the role was originally written for him in yeah. mind. Yeah. I love the the play with his name though, like the whole time. She's like, okay, Mr. Man, can I call you Red? My fun fact number three is um, the fact that Glinda's female persona, Glinda, being evil is a nod to Brian D. Palmer's early thriller works such as Dress to Kill and Sisters, which I, I, I've never seen either one of those. I'm going to have to look them up. I think Dress to Kill might yeah. be on Tubi, but I'm Dress not sure. Dress to Kill is a classic Brian De Palma film. And I, I'm definitely going to check it out. When Glenda goes full Glenda at the end mm -hmm. and Burns Joan, it is... 100% uh, dress to kill re reference, like the blonde wig. and. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm going to see if it's on Tubi yeah. so I can check it out. That's a classic Brian De Palma. Great film. Um, I, I would say definitely check it out. Writer-director Don Mancini admitted having a large influence from De Palma and the movie's unique shot composition and yeah. uh, cinemagraphy really show this. And the composer of the of this movie is De Palma's regular collaborator and composer Pino um, Don Donagio. Um, my fun fact number four is the original title for this movie was Son of Chucky. And my fifth fun fact is the wife of the man Tiffany called, and I don't know if you guys knew this or not. I did not know this. I don't know if you knew this or not either, Nathan. As much as you love this movie, I don't know if you knew this. Um, the wife of the man, Tiffany, calls to apologize to 
is the widow of remember that scene where she calls the guy the woman yeah, yeah. uh she is the widow of the cop she killed at the beginning of Bride of Chucky. Yeah. yeah. The cop that like helps helps uh yeah, helps her get the body of Chucky. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah, um, and that's actually an interesting fun fact that ties in with that is some people that I saw in my research were commenting, Oh, it doesn't make sense that Chucky had a made in Japan thing because he was made in Chicago and so on and so forth. Oh yeah, I but, did read that but too. In in Bride of Chucky at the beginning, Tiffany puts Chucky back together with not just Chucky parts, but also other dolls that parts. he brought with yeah. her. And one of his arm is actually replaced with a different arm in the beginning of Bride of Chucky. And so it's very possible that that arm is the one that has the made in Japan on it. And right was just introduced in the previous film even though it wasn't part of canon before that right that's a that yeah that's a good thing to know yeah because a lot of people did didn't you know understand why you know they would yeah. have the made in japan yeah yeah yep so, so they set that up in bride so yeah mm-hmm now we move on to the cast and crew that has passed on. There is one person that has passed on, but she she was in the DVD deleted scenes, and she was also uncredited. So I, I probably oh, are you talking about Debbie. Uh... Yes, yes, Debbie Lee Carrington. Yeah. The... Uh, yes, the uh, she played Tiffany. I think she was the doll Tiffany. She was, yeah, she, I watched that deleted scene last night, actually, on the Blu-ray, and um, she, yeah, this is a, a little person, very famous, if you saw her, listeners, uh, yes. her up. if you saw her, you'd recognize her. Yes, um, I remember her, I, I, I remember her from Passions. Who was that? Uh, I, I remember her from the soap opera that she did on Passions. She was on Passions. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the in Seed of Chucky, she was supposed to play in a couple of scenes where she played the real life like stunt double for the Tiffany doll. Uh, yes, yes, and, I remember. Yeah, so they could do more like elaborate things that they couldn't do with the doll. She would play the doll essentially. So they ended up not filming the second scene she was going to be in, which was supposed to be a scene where she gets killed by Chucky, I think. Mm-hmm. But they ended up not filming that. And so keeping the original scene where they first introduce her, apparently when they screened the film, people were confused as to why that subplot was introduced because there was no resolution to it later. Oh, okay. And okay. so they took it out of the movie altogether because they ended up not filming the resolution and so it didn't make sense to leave it in the film but that was going to be another you know iconic actor that was going to be in the film right right um but uh yeah she uh died on march 23rd 2018 and she was 58 years old but i couldn't find a cause of death i don't know um um they might say it on Wikipedia. I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, um, I couldn't find her um, cause of death at all. Mm. But um, and uh, we would move on to um, my purpose reaction, but I forgot to put 
the groupers reaction down yesterday because well uh i, I was telling nathan uh before the podcast began listeners me and my fiance and my son uh we had a long day yesterday yesterday we went on the uh, first school field trip with christopher and uh, to the dallas zoo and we tired ourselves out to see to say the least so so i was not able so i did not put a, a grouper's reaction on yesterday and then i was going to do it today at noon but then we had a, a visit from my brother and his family so of course i forgot to do it again so i i just didn't put one down this time so but I'll, i'm definitely going to do it next week for the it follows um uh, podcast Yes, I am doing It Follows next week. Um, that will be my last um, episode for season 26. Uh, season 27 starts April the 20, 28th, which you are a part of, Nathan. Uh, you and Bryant and Richard Moylan, I believe. We are, we, we are right. going to be discussing um, Alien Resurrection. Ooh, so. another favorite. <laughs> Easy, over the top, ridiculously awesome <laughs> horror sequels. Just like Cedar Ducky. I mean, they're both like so, like, they're derided by so many people, but those of us that love it just embrace the camp and the silliness. And right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Yep. So, um, uh, well, that's all she wrote, folks. And I, 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 I do hope that you guys. Uh, really love this episode. I, I hope you love all the episodes that I do. Actually, yeah. um, I um, I do have merch available. I have T-shirts. Um, go to Shopify, put in uh, horror movie warriors in the search engine. It'll pop right on up. Uh, or you could find the link to Shopify on my group page. Uh, and uh, if you have not joined the group yet, you ju just go to Facebook. That's where um, the group is. Uh, go to the search engine, click in Horror Movie Warriors, and it will pop up. Um, actually, two um, pages will pop up. The group page and the, uh, just the Facebook page. I have two um, pages on Facebook. And... Uh, and if you would like to email me for any reason, um, my email address is carterlatrice126 at gmail.com. Again, that's carterlatrice126 at gmail.com. And Nathan, I thank you for being here, sir. I thank you, especially yeah. for, you know, Good Friday, when we where we talked about the good guy now. <laughs> Hey, it ended up working. I mean, we got pretty in-depth with the biblical stuff, I feel like. Oh, uh, yes, we did. Yes, and we did. I, I mean, we, we mentioned Jesus at least a dozen times. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. You know, they I don't say about my Jesus. I don't say about him. But, um, well, guys, I hope you guys, or we hope you guys have a very happy Easter. Uh, do something great with your family. All right, guys, until next week when I dis discuss It Follows, this has been Latrice Carter and Nathan Dilla, and we will see you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.